Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever had you know when you've been working on music have you ever had like an accidental erasure where you've you know maybe deleted part of a song or an entire song and you've lost something yeah i have i think what year is it 2020 last year i think last summer or so uh i was putting together an ep um with my buddy monolithic and we were doing like this uh split ep thing and there's this really nice song i had done for it um i think i have it posted up on my soundcloud it's called like not you me or something I really liked it. It was the first time that I'd, I'd done this whole track in a single session, and I think I just had forgotten to save it. <laughs> it was just totally gone. I tried to look for any sort of like archive, autosave type thing that I could find. Couldn't find anything. So I just have like this one shitty mix down of it, initial kind of rendering of it. I don't like it enough to release. It's got some errors in it. But Did you try and recreate it and recapture what you had previously? One, you'd kind of built it all the way up? I think I, think I gave it an attempt but the way my brain works is kind of like when I'm in that moment, if I, it's hard for me to go back and kind of channel whatever I was feeling in that moment and kind of recreate the exact same thing, I think. Yeah, I think with your music as well, every emotion, when, you, when you're kind of telling like an emotion in it, it's quite a specific feeling. Like it's, it's a very kind of specific shade. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you delete tracks when you don't intend on using them or do you kind of have an archive where you save everything even if it's you know something you don't kind of determine good enough to to go out i don't ever delete anything because uh again kind of how i work and how my brain works is that i don't finish um like a ton of stuff but i i start like an endless amount of things hundreds 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 of tracks and only the ones that i'm able to i guess finish that idea in a relatively quick time period are the ones that um I'm able to quickly get done and like kind of finalize the idea but oftentimes there's things where um, I go back even like a year or two later and uh, I'll kind of rework from there open up the project get back into it but I, I don't find myself like ever being like I'm just going to totally delete this throw it in the bin because it's nice for me to be able to go back and and look upon those ideas when you come back to a track so you come back to one like a year after how are you coming are you trying to get back into that emotional headspace you were in when you put in the first version of it or are you coming at it from a, a different angle i'm usually approaching it from well i don't know that's a good question I, I think i think i tend to approach it at a different angle but i think the act of me even going back to it is kind of me going back to whatever the headspace i was in when i was making that because if i'm going back to it and i'm i'm grooving with it and i'm liking it and i'm hearing things that i want to add or or change feeling inspired from it uh, I definitely am kind of going back into that same headspace. When you hear the trap back, are you able to pinpoint the exact headspace you were in when you first created it? I'm not sure. I, I, it's it's hard for me to say. Is it's hard for me to know exactly. I don't I don't know. It's hard for me to put into words. Maybe 
for me to um, explain, I guess, how I was even feeling on a track. Because I'm trying to think of an example of that. And I think it's kind of like the, I pick that up naturally from whatever I've kind of made from that. So I open something and it, I may be not aware of it, but it's kind of put me back into that place. Is it easier for you to communicate without words then, you know, when it comes to your music? Like you're saying there, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to put it into words. Is that why you kind of craft these these house tracks? Has it always been easier to approach music from a, a kind of point of view where it's instrumental and it's kind of low, or the lo-fi house type thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the whole reason why started making music was uh it's really just like a coping mechanism for me and you know for me to voice things that i can't really voice myself and just put them out through in a format of sound i guess had you made music in any other domain before you came to house music uh no but i before i guess uh i kind of settled on what i liked doing and kind of defined my style i was making Stuff that I wouldn't really call house music, more of the realm of like vaporwave under the same name, but didn't really get picked up well. And I wasn't trying to get it picked up well. So I guess sometimes you have to kind of work through a certain period to get to the point where you eventually have a sound that you start to become satisfied with. Like you wouldn't have been able to make it to the sound you have now without kind of experimenting with that and, and moving through it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was like two years almost until I made this track called Stress, I think. And I. I realized at that point, I was like, I really, really like this. I I think this sound is like, I figured it out finally after experimenting so much for several years. And then you kind of just build upon that. It's interesting that you mentioned as well how music is a, you kind of, you came to as a coping mechanism. And then you have those early tracks that are titled things like Stress and Overload that kind of almost kind of reflect that a little bit. Yeah, they definitely do. And like, I, I can go back and, and think of those moments in time um, of like where I was at mentally when I listened to those tracks. They, they do reference that, absolutely. How old were you when you when you first came to it? What sort of period were you in in your life when you came to, to use it in that way and create music like that? So like for me, even creating music, I, I was at pretty much the darkest point, at least so far of my life. I, um, I was a freshman in uh, university, uh, and I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis, uh, EGPA for short. And basically, uh, I had to come back home, get treated at a hospital here at Stanford. And this is a long process of, of treatment until I was able to get a remission. But um, I had a lot of free time because I wasn't in school for a good year as I was uh, doing treatment and everything. And so with this free time, I, I was trying to figure out, like, you know, what, what, what do I do? How do I? I didn't have people to talk to about this. I still don't really have that many people to talk to about it. It's not, um, it's not a very common thing, especially for my age group. And it was a, it was a scary time in my life. I didn't really know if I was going to make it through that. And so for me, I, I'd always had a, a passion for music. I've always been really into music, been really into electronic music, and I don't remember what the exact moment was, but I just downloaded Logic or something. Uh, I was like, you know, I'm just going to start experimenting with this stuff. Eventually switched over to Ableton. I was starting to just make really spaced out, strange music, a lot of synths in it. That was just kind of how I was coping with my life at the time. Did music have that escapist quality? to it immediately for you as soon as you started making it did it become that escape absolutely yeah after that first year did you go back to university after that yeah I I did I don't know if it was exactly a year after that after I was in remission and my health was a little bit more stabilized uh, I went back to school what were you studying Uh, computer science oh nice does that inform what you're doing in any way can it does it still have any impact it's a good question I I wouldn't say, because in terms of like how I make music, it's not like I'm like uh, coding or doing live coding. So I've, I've seen a lot of that stuff in recent years. But um, I think it influences somehow because there's a lot of like tools and strange things I do that kind of stem from my knowledge in, in the field, I guess, perhaps. Did you have a radio show at university as well? I did. I did. It was KUSF. Uh, I had a... That's when I started the whole purebred thing for me. What sort of stuff were you playing on that on that show? Was this was this after you went back to university? You had the show. Yeah, th- this was after I went back. So I was um, on that show. I was doing like a bunch of house music and I and you know low tempo electronic stuff too. And that was like it was it was really cool. I miss it a lot actually when I think about it. 
but I, I was doing like a one hour DJ mix. I brought in a little controller and stuff. And that was like, it was also kind of a platform for me to kind of test my music or kind of share it too. Uh, in a, kind of a private space, I feel like. Do you remember the first reactions you got to your music when you were, you know, testing it out in that domain? That was around the time that I put out uh, tracks All Right and uh, All This. The, the reaction was really good. It was, uh, I remember, especially All This, that like uh, the people around me and my peer group, whatever, were really into the track and I, I kind of knew I had something special at that point. That was only, was that a couple of years ago? That's not too long ago that track came out, is it? Yeah, 2018, I think. 17? 17. Is that from, is that one of the the German phrases? Because I remember I took German in school and Alice Klar is one of the, f- the few yeah, yeah. phrases I Alice recall. Klar, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it means everything, yeah. Those songs are really kind of lo-fi. Like when you, you've kind of, you've progressed a bit from, you know, you've progressed quite significantly from that. They kind of start off on that in that lo-fi space and it's kind of moved from there yeah that that i was making a lot more gritty dirtier stuff back then since then as well you've moved into i mean those came out as singles right those kind of first tracks right yeah and now you've you've kind of gone for the ep format a little bit more recently do you find you communicate differently when you're using the ep format as opposed to singles and you're kind of grouping tracks together so i think the first ever ep i think i did was um Tromfolg and um, th- that one was like uh, that was a small label whatever Infinity Tracks Records uh, if I recall correctly that was the first time I kind of had to like or was able to piece together like a body of work that kind of had a consistent sound and meaning for me at least uh, and I really like doing that and I since kind of then way back wherever I always was looking to put together EPs that had like a consistent body and story to kind of tell through it um but i struggled being able to put that together myself i think a lot and the stuff that i've released this year being able to kind of have help with that and guidance with that i think it it helped me a lot to be able to create like a consistent like thorough release with them i guess when you're starting off as well things are maybe a little bit more scattershot are they do you kind of find there's less of a cohesiveness when you first begin and you're kind of going in a lot of different directions as opposed to now when you can kind of group them quite neatly together i think for me and like personally it's always going to be pretty scattered scattered around there and i think that's just a quality of uh, adhd for me because I, I i find it hard to you know come in start making music on one day and have like the same feeling or energy or wherever I was it's hard for me to kind of do that again the let's say the next day or for consistently for a whole week right you know one day I'll be making something that's really slow down tempo really moody uh, and then the next day I'm making something that's like 135 bpm really fast-paced techno stuff for me it's I think it really helped being able to work with someone specifically Sean Fade that was able to kind of select from like a pool and we we're like hey let's put this together let's put this together and like obviously with my input evolved as well and still kind of get that that message so basically just like extracting after the fact and kind of putting together those moods that that fit together but they weren't necessarily in linear time together if that makes sense yeah i guess because you're probably feeling quite different every day so maybe it takes a couple of weeks for you to come back around to a similar emotion that you were feeling when you maybe see maybe you write one track on a tuesday and then it's not until the Sunday that you're kind of in a similar headspace again. Yeah, absolutely. When you're grouping them together, obviously, you know, you write them all as individual tracks. When you put them together and you you have them as that kind of one emotion, but maybe six tracks concerning it, how does that impact your view and the way you feel and think about the individual song? When you place them alongside other tracks, does it affect that in any way? I, I aim to, to have it be affected, I guess. Because it, like, I, I want something to be kind of like a full picture that makes sense with like an ep um so i'm trying to think of an example here right now like like the like the, my process of even i guess making a track listing for an ep or influence track listing and figuring it out right i'm listening to all these tracks in a sequential order and i'm seeing kind of like how they kind of fit together and i want this perfect kind of balance of like kind of like going through a picture telling a story something like that uh, and that's really what i'm aiming for with that are you are you trying to tell a story like looking at it as a whole or more like in a narrative sense, kind of going from song to song, like in a linear way? I think in a narrative sense, more so. You know, if we look at something like the last EP, do you have in your head, like, do you know what the kind of narrative structure is of those songs from track to track? 
Is it quite clearly mapped out for you? It's it's somewhat clearly mapped out. I think a lot of the times it's it's mapped out for me at the time, and then I have to go back and kind of reaccess those memories to kind of harness that back in. But but yeah, I, I know we were speaking about earlier when you first came to music. It was this powerful tool for expressing yourself. Did you have any way of like creatively expressing yourself previously, or was this the first time you kind of felt you were able to? say what you were thinking in a, in a creative domain i think yeah it was the first time like the only other when i look back the only other ways that i was i guess creatively um expressing myself and I don't, i'm not even sure if i'd call it expressing myself but like i i find you know that certain aspects of, of programming computer science right it's a it's it's a creative art in some degree some respects i guess because you're you're creating something you know i i, I have crazy ideas for you know apps stuff like that whatever bullshit but it's not the same it's a a different type of creativity and I didn't have like a I didn't have an output like that really at all is it quite a design-based thing yeah yeah I'd I'd say that well when it comes to the kind of how much time it's occupying in your headspace when did it kind of swing from computing to music when did music start to occupy more time in your headspace than computers I'd say I'd say by 2018 when I was really really liking the stuff that I was making and I I kind of had an idea that it was going somewhere I I noticed that like my my ability to balance school and like music and those two headspaces became pretty conflicting and that kind of only got worse as time went on I guess it's tough because when people you know love creating music it can become quite an obsessive thing in some ways and it's hard to kind of switch off from it and take yourself out of that headspace absolutely yeah have you ever been able to to do that have you ever found a way where you can kind of bring yourself out of that headspace and focus on something else or is it you're kind of just locked in it all the time now i'm pretty much locked in it all the time and and the problem for me is that like when i was doing like uh music i guess part-time and i had other freelance type gigs going on like freelance like ios development stuff was what i was doing a lot of the time and and for me to try to switch between those two headspaces was like killer because I work on something for like 10 hours or something and I'm just like a zombie only thinking about code and then to try to kind of get into that creative headspace is pretty tough but then like I remember when I was still in school and I'd like be working on a track to like five or six in the morning totally losing track of time and and then like having to switch that brain off be like oh shit I have class in like an hour it was it's tough to deal with. Would you kind of make a track in a night? Because remember you saying earlier you kind of construct them in a relatively short time frame if you finish them the kind of first time around. Yeah, it used to, I, I guess when I was still doing things more in the box, uh, so to speak, and I guess 2020 wasn't going on, I'd kind of know when I had something really good because I'd be able to power it out typically in like one to two hours. I was just, my brain was running full steam ahead and uh, was able to get the full idea out really quickly how does that work for you is that like something kind of sparks in your head and suddenly you have a full picture of the entire song and it's just a case of translating that or is it more it's kind of just one thing goes on to the next and a momentum begins that kind of ends up leading to a full track for me i think it's it's more the momentum and it, it feels so good when that happens uh, when you're, you're just building something you're like oh man this fits perfect and yeah it, it's definitely the momentum what emotion do you find easiest to write music from I guess sadness. I don't know. I uh, I don't know if existential dread was an emotion. I'd say that. But has making music had any impact upon the conversations that you're having with yourself when it comes to kind of existential issues like that? I'd say so. Actually, I'd say so a lot because oftentimes when I'm in that headspace, not even like working on music or something, there's tracks of my my own that like will even put me in that headspace or I'll kind of go back and seek those out because I'm weird but like the, the stuff that I make is it's it's for me primarily I guess what sort of tracks do that for you what sort of tracks take you straight back to that place I mean right off the bat I can think of like one more recent ones like a Gleisphere um on the seal EP the ambient one but um tracks like stress kind of put me in in that that headspace too as well do you ever use them as a tool like if you want to ponder those things or if you're feeling those things do you sometimes put those tracks on to kind of further the conversations you're having absolutely Uh, i do that really really often kind of embarrassing but yeah do you become 
detached from the music in any way after you make it like does that still feel like your track when you're putting it on to induce that headspace or does it become a kind of separate objective thing i think good question i I think i think i'm somewhat detached from it but at the same time it's almost like you're more proud of it because it's like something you did you know it's like the same obsession and passion you have for listening to anything else that your brain is like oh this is new and like i love this track or it's old nostalgic favorite it's something a little bit more special for me it's possibly the closest you maybe get to being experiencing it from like the point of view of a listener as well do you think right once once that detachment kind of starts to seep in a little bit yeah i think so as well because you have this this period too when like you're working on mixing it and you've heard it like six million times you know especially when you're doing those final mix downs or whatever really tedious and you start to hate the track but you're able to revisit it kind of fresh years later on. So do you leave tracks for at like after a while after you finish mixing them? Do you kind of let them sit for a bit and then come back to them and kind of just give them one last check to be sure that you're happy with it? Do you need to take a bit of time to gain that perspective back again? Yeah, absolutely. And I think anyone that I've worked with label-wise would say the same because <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, I'm really bad with it. I overthink everything and nothing ever really feels 100% done. So I'm always taking huge amounts of time going back and like, kind of re-falling in love fixing things stuff like that were you like that from the office well when you're speaking there about you know overthinking things a little bit when you first started crafting music were you quite meticulous from the get-go i think i think a lot of my productions early on were like way way overthinking things so yeah i would say that yeah have you got a little bit better about balancing it out you know keeping that perspective so that you don't overthink it quite so much but you know it still stays true to you because it's obviously part of your your personality yeah absolutely and i think i think i mean that more in like production side of things and i think as time went on and i earned money from this and i was able to shift how i um produce music um i was able to kind of kind of work it around how my brain works so you know working with hardware synthesizers stuff like that just being able to click record and bang stuff out with my hands you know using everything that kind of helped the process for me to be able to do things like efficiently and quickly. Are you full time now working on it? Yeah, I am. Does that increase or decrease pressure when it comes to making music? It, it definitely increases pressure. It's hard for me to speak of that outside of perhaps this year because this year feels the most pressure ever because there's no real end in sight of when things will get better. I think. Like I, I, I think I feel this internal pressure too as well because. I haven't felt like I made it, so to speak. You know, I haven't like done these tours, world tours, everyone like in this realm of music, you know, touring DJs and stuff get to do. And, you know, a lot of that was this year. I had a lot in store, a lot planned. And I, I just feel like there's this period where I have, I have, I've achieved a lot of success with my music and everything, but I, I feel so rewarded when I'm like in a room playing shows in that energy and I think my lack of that feeling that or getting to see that and feel that kind of makes me feel like I still have so much more work to do, like to kind of get myself out there and keep creating and keep pushing out good music, basically, I guess. Can you use that to feel you in a positive way, though? Can you kind of channel that into an energy that you can then create music from? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I try to channel like anything, I guess, into the music that I create, including like my anger at anything relative to this industry or the world that we live in it is a really powerful fuel for me as well with what you were saying about the touring thing kind of being taken away at the minute it's almost like part of the process is gone maybe because you don't see people connecting with your music in the same way like that's the one space we kind of have now where you can see people directly resonating with it and and connecting with what you're making and when that's gone is it does it feel like there's a bit of a gap there yeah absolutely it feels like a huge gap and like I feel like I don't know if it, it's strange for me to say that like I feel like getting gigs is like a almost an indicator of like you know you're succeeding at, at this job essentially you're you're going to be able to survive off it that too is also having that gone it, it feels strange like I don't I don't I feel like I don't know my place and in, in how well I'm doing or should I keep doing this as like a full-time job type thing? Will I be able to, I guess, you know? Yeah, I guess if you're doing a tour, say you do a tour of the US or whatever, or Europe, and 
all the gigs are packed out that gives you a real sense of energy and fuel and you know where the project's at yeah yeah that's not there at the moment what was the last show you played um the last one i played was uh, this festival in san diego uh, called crossed c-r-s-s-d that was march 9th it was like the last weekend before everything got shut down did you know we were gonna have a gap for this long at that point did you have a sense of that or were you kind of oh yeah oh yeah no, I knew it was I knew it was bad. Um, I think by the end of February and that things were not going to be good. I, I was cautious to even play that show. I remember flying through the airports. So I was the only one with a mask on. Had a couple uh, Karens come up to me and be like, "You don't need that mask." Yeah, I knew things were going to get bad. I feel like that's quite an American characteristic as well, like kind of going up to people and quite kind of culturally, like you, that wouldn't be as much of a oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting country you live in here, and it's a uh, not a good one. So. I mean, it's got some positives to it. It's it's very, it's very, it's it's the same as everything in the world, you know. There's pros and cons. Just interesting culture, I guess. How does it compare to Berlin for you? Because that's where did you did you grow up in Berlin? Or is your or your family from just kind of Germany? No, just, the family's just from there, and they they live there now. But I I grew up actually in the Bay Area, so I've I've been experienced to you know, both cultures. I've seen outside of the U.S. and everything. And this is not not my preferred place to live, especially for the long term. Did you go over to Germany a lot when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah. And it, it definitely had an influence, I think, as I approached my like adult years, I think. Does that allow you to see, let's say, when you know when you're growing up, does that allow you to see the country you're from or you're living in and growing up in a slightly different light? Absolutely. I, I've spoken this about this a lot, and I have this conversation, I think, a lot with like friends in the U.S., because... And most of the people I hang out with the U.S. you know, are, have been outside the U.S., seen the U.S. outside the U.S. Because I think uh, we have this thing in, in, in this country where a lot of people haven't traveled outside the country. You know, in Europe, it's, it's easy. You can take these cheap holidays to Spain, wherever. You can go see other parts of the world relatively easily, right? Just on a train, whatever. Um, so many people are narrow-minded in the fact that you know, they buy into all the propaganda. They think everywhere else is like a, a, a shithole country or something. And they... I think it's really important to be able to see how other places work and their quality of life and how other cultures act. It just makes you a well-rounded person in general, right? Why is it you think, what were you saying there about people buying into that propaganda? Where is that propaganda coming from? Why is that a thing? Just because I feel like culturally here, that doesn't, that's not really existing. You know, everyone kind of, I guess, like you say, we have the ability to go to Spain on a cheap holiday or whatever, but it's not something that feels present here in in my opinion based on like historical presence or whatever in the u.s history in the u.s uh a lot of it comes from the generation like the boomer generation or whatever right they're fed they're spoon-fed propaganda all throughout 50s into you know current day i guess you could say but they're, they're told right this is a time where communists everywhere stuff like that and so the the parental generation of most people my age you know a lot of them they bought into that propaganda whether or not they are aware of it the other thing too is a lot of americans think that the whatever they've been told is that this is the greatest country on earth you know we're the free world we're number one all this stuff uh so why would i ever leave that that's how a lot of people see it and uh it was strange, you know. The, I can remember the first couple of times I, I met people's parents, and like they were just like, "Yeah, I've, like, why would I ever go anywhere else? Why would I <laughs> stray anywhere away from the U.S. for the best country?" And I was like, "What the hell?" It's uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I guess with the fifty states as well, it kind of feels like it's almost fifty individual countries. Does each state does it feel quite culturally different? I'd say more so on the fact of like maybe geographical areas. Because it is quite different state to state for the most part, but there are like ideological um, and kind of like general cultural trends that persist throughout like the whole West Coast. And even the West Coast shares a lot of cultural norms with like the East Coast, but these are mainly like the highly populated, educated um, cities that are well off economically as well, right? California, Washington, and Oregon, they, they share a lot in common. Are they kind of slightly left-leaning as well? Yeah, the absolutely. Blue states, Very, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm interested in a few of the kind of, I mean, two of the kind of big issues that we see over here about the U.S. is gun control and health care. What's the kind of 
perception of that like on the inside because to us it's kind of crazy that you guys don't have you know a, a healthcare system or anything and it's crazy to us that you can walk about with, with guns is that the same thing there are other people that feel like that or is it very much just kind of embedded in the culture there now and it's it's a norm no it's it's crazy for for me too it's crazy for so the, these two particular matters especially on like like i was mentioning the, the west coast and like the east coast at least some portion of the east coast say new york stuff like that those two examples are, are things that we have more of the european mindset for i'd say in general the politicians not so much the, the big money interests not so much but i think a lot of people especially americans after covid which i'm still a little shocked but there, i've seen a lot more people in favor of universal health care now uh, in the last couple of years i think the 26 six, what, 2016 um election with bernie kind of bringing this to the forefront helped a lot of people understand that i still don't understand why we're not doing it yet and then with gun control gun control is even a harder thing to to combat just because so many people take the constitution as if it's like a bible you know we have legal doc or set of legal rules i guess so to speak that are completely out of date they're not made for the modern era they've never been like updated for the modern era times that we live in and uh yeah i don't i don't see how you can still abide by that but it's too hard to deal with the repercussions of the rest of America, right? As we've seen this recent election, you know, half the country is still voting in a way that most people, most educated people wouldn't really expect or hope for at all. So, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think the key word you said there was educated. If everyone was slightly more I don't know. It's so difficult now as well to get up. The, the education system in the U.S. is abysmal, really. It, it's not even good, like, in, in wealthy, you know, uh, coastal coastal states. There's even huge problems with it there. I think just fundamental flaws that the system needs to be rewritten, really. What, what are those issues? What are those kind of fundamental flaws? Access to, I mean, for, for education in particular, access to quality education is so hard to achieve because of the the kind of wealth barrier for for even for for like good quality public education right like i was privileged enough to go to to go to a a good good high school or good good schools in the area and down in the area like silicon valley san jose area those are good public schools for the most part but you know if you let's say you go to you drive 20 minutes to a different part of the the area right you're in an area where it's it's lower income or something and the schools are worse the education system is just not as good it's the teachers are paid less they're not happy with their jobs you know we really don't value i think we don't value teachers in terms of pay we don't give them fair wages here in the public education system and then if you want to go to private school it's it's super expensive like sending your kid to a, a private high school or something uh in the U.S. is like a college tuition, and then don't even get me started on the, the university tuition, whatever. That's yeah, even stu- worse. Student loans are crazy. Yeah, they're abysmal. Like I have friends that are three hundred k in debt after leaving school. Like it's just insane. You know, teachers not being kind of paid to a fair degree. It's kind of the same thing with cops as well, isn't it? That's a job yeah. that isn't really valued as highly as it should be, which is probably where a lot of the problems from that are stemming at the minute. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, when you go into the cops thing, it, it a lot of it, a lot of the problems I think too with that have to do more with the uh, militarization, and that's, that's that's something I don't think we'll ever get fixed here either, because the military-industrial complex kind of funds half of America at least. I mean, I think that's kind of the the main problem is that it all comes down to money. The same thing when you have lobbying and elections and stuff; it's all just a little bit corrupt almost oh it's it's a hundred percent corrupt <laughs> there's there's no way around it it's it's pure corruption are you still thinking about moving to europe yeah i mean ideally whenever it it, it can be done and i'm you know i was even considering it last year but the timing was not when I, my lease was up it was just wasn't going to work out and i didn't feel like i had kind of solidified my um presence so to speak like in europe where i'd feel comfortable completely dropping my life here and moving over for the pursuit of a music career i guess do you feel like bigger in america in terms of your kind of fan base then as opposed to europe 
I don't. And I, I definitely don't anymore at all. It was more too many unknowns, I guess. I, I worry about things too much, clearly. But, yeah, I, I barely get any love in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, it's a big move, though, like going from the U.S. to Europe. The way you said yeah. about you're worrying about those unknowns, but they're probably understandable worries. Yeah, but at least I'd have a decent health care, you know, <laughs> good yeah. public transportation, things like that. You still speak German as well. Yeah, I'm I'm rusty though. It's uh it's been almost a year since I've been in Germany now. So when you're in Germany, you speak in German all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's nice because you know you you get back and within like three days or whatever, your brain kind of reactivates. Do you think in German when you're there? Yeah, even like it, it's it's so strange because like it's typically about three days for me, just being around and speaking and hearing other people and I get situated back into it and then i'll start having dreams in german which is very strange sensation i guess for me is it that idea though of of thinking in another language you know it it just flips when you're thinking in another language how does that impact the music you're making like if you're making music and you're thinking in german instead of english does that have any impact upon the creativity it seems to and i i'm like not always aware of it i guess but uh when i when i can go back you know and look at like the stuff I was making on the road, whatever, from last uh, December. It it's it's got like a totally different influence and vibe to it that like I'm not always able to cap. I certainly couldn't capture that like being stuck here all year. But yeah, it it definitely has an impact on it. Are you? Do you take any influence from the kind of scene that's going on there at the minute as well? Because they, I know, like kind of Berlin's got some of the best clubs in the world and stuff when it comes to dance music and things like that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like when I, when I'm there. I try to go out as much as possible, and it it has a huge influence on me. Like I'll I'll go home, whatever, next two mornings later or something, uh, and you know you're hearing music in your head because you've been blasting it through your drums and your your chest for the last forty eight hours or so, and it, it I'm already starting to get influence from that. I think immediately afterwards. Yeah, those clubs are crazy. I've heard stories about those clubs as well, where people will be like stay inside them for like 24 hours and stuff like they never close yeah and yeah it's it's like um like Berghain, for example they'll open up on like a thursday uh for a party and it's uh it's the same gig running until like monday morning <laughs> yeah a lot of your your song titles are in german as well at what point in the process does a a song title kind of attach itself to the track it's either immediately kind of when i first save it in the project or it's kind of at the final stages when i'm going back through everything and kind of reflecting upon the track and where i was with the headspace of that track and kind of determining a track name from there i guess does it kind of just appear or do you spend a while kind of trying to brainstorm ideas for it it just appears I have a hard time explaining it, I think, because it just kind of happens, and I, I go with it as soon as it appears. Baum, that, Baum means tree, right? That was the last, mm, no, two EPs ago you put that out? Yeah, that's correct. You bought a new drum machine just before you began work on that as well. Correct, yeah. Did you have any of the songs prior to its introduction, or did everything kind of come once you bought that instrument? Yeah, no, everyone, every one of those tracks was made after... March 2019 so yeah it was all post that do you find picking up a, like a new instrument or a new piece of gear is that always kind of a, a catalyst for creativity it's not always especially it, it has been in the past it's a it's a bad kind of a um, habit or process to get yourself into in the first place I think because uh, then you start getting this mindset like ooh, you know I'll just buy this new synth and I'll I'll come up with some crazy new ideas, I think. It's an expensive habit as well. Yeah, it's a, a terribly expensive habit. So I try try not to do that as much. But I will say in the past, it, it has definitely had that effect on me. Do you have any catalysts for creativity? Do you have any things that you know that if you kind of do, they're going to spark something within you? I may have been able to like answer that maybe a, a year ago, but I, I, I find it really hard to... If I did, I, I don't now. Because I think my processes that I maybe wasn't too aware of were I was able to achieve that based on like my lifestyle pre-COVID, you know, because I've been inside pretty much the whole year. Uh, I can't really take very many risks with this. I'm sure you're aware, but we've really had no no relief or or guidance on uh, COVID. We haven't handled it very well, obviously. Continue to not handle it very well. And uh, 
been trying to get my creativity going because it, it's hard for me to feel inspired like I used to. And I, I, I can't say I have something that I can think of that like is an immediate unlocker like that right now. Every day feels like the same. Like I, I've, I totally lose track of, of months. Like I'm just like I'm just living, existing right now. Music tends to be, you know, it kind of thrives on change. Has being a musician made you more comfortable with change in any way? Can you kind of channel it in a positive way? I think so. I, absolutely. I tend to to try to channel it when I have something to work on. I think when it's not a permanent bad change, probably. Because, like, it, it, when this started, I was definitely feeling pretty creative, although I had a lot of anxiety going on. I think I was had this initial kind of burst, and I was also finishing up a few projects here and there. And I had this initial kind of creative burst after setting up my studio and everything like that. And then, you know, things just continued to get worse. We started getting wildfires, and I just kind of tapped out it was hard for me to walk in here and be like i'm gonna be creative today what did you do instead because i know we were speaking a lot about how it's kind of an obsession for you making music how did you cope when creativity isn't flowing i guess i'd, I'd start my day with doing like the business side of music like i I'm, i handle all that myself i don't have a manager no booking agent not that that's relevant right now but so i handle all that during the day or whatever and i'd even get burnt out from like doing that communicating with people replying to messages stuff like that and then I, when I'm when I'm not, uh, sometimes I, I did pick up a road bike earlier this this summer. Um, that's been a nice break for me uh, when the weather and air quality is permitting. And then outside of that, it's not much else. Like I, I got video games. That that's uh, video games, movies, just anything to keep myself away from reality. I guess when you go out on the the, the road bike, and it's it's another kind of form of escape. How does that form of escape differ to creating music? when you kind of clear your head in that way when i'm creating music i i have this like i'm in a full tunnel vision just like i'm locked into this particular idea concept i i guess when i think about it with biking though too i guess i'm kind of just living in that moment pushing through focused on what i'm doing maybe they aren't too different really but one one is certainly more mentally rewarding i think for me in the longer term obviously yeah i guess exercise can have a really positive impact upon mental health as well though it definitely definitely like in a rush you get after you finish doing a run like i mean in your case a cycle yeah it definitely does i was gonna ask as well about samples because obviously you know they're a a kind of cornerstone of your work i'm interested how does it work when it comes to clearing samples because i was reading today about how lou reed's estate gets 100 percent of the royalties from can i kick it the the tribe called quest song and then Holy Logic shit. sampled that, and then Lou Reed still gets 100%. Are you serious? <laughs> it's crazy, man. I, I wasn't aware of that one. That, that's, uh, that's insane. I was like, how is that legal? <laughs> Considering how it's like a, it's a tiny part of that song as well. Yeah. Yeah, what? Wow, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so like... So I'm sorry. What was what was your uh, sorry? Was the... the question was how how what is how does like clearing samples work? Because I was kind of just interested in that that area of it. When it comes to you and utilizing samples in your work, how do you go about clearing them and knowing that you're going to be able to use them and not get fucked like Tribe Called Quest did? So my aim when I when I create music from the start, because we live in an age of like content ID, um, copyright systems and everything, even on like SoundCloud private upload stuff and everything my aim has always been to if i am sampling something if i am sampling vocal or something to kind of cheat the computer and cheat uh whatever content id system by making it the uh either completely unrecognizable or changed so much that it's not able to be copyright striked or not using that much of a sample in the first place i guess and that that's kind of always been my my approach to it and then as i went further along was looking for samples my my methods of finding samples became way more obscure and, and odd it's sampling is still something i struggle with it's hard for me to find something that fits perfectly whatever and i don't have any direct normal approach to it i guess it's very random but yeah it, it's as it, it's gone by it's just more obscure strange stuff that like you know the the label doesn't even exist anymore the the art the group doesn't exist they're dead or whatever it's in this old ussr thing or something um so it's like there's no one you can even contact um to reach out 
for clearance on a lot of these things. How do you find this stuff? YouTube, you can get in some pretty obscure, obscure stuff on YouTube. And a lot of, I, I, I've watched a lot of movies. I, I spent a lot of time watching strange films, obscure stuff. And all the time I'll hear like some weird song, look it up. I'm like, oh, I really like this. Let me take this part, this part. Yeah. Is that the same process when it comes to finding new music just in a listening way? Because I was looking at your, you do that weekly playlist, right, on your Spotify. And there's always like such an eclectic mix on that as well. It's similar. It's definitely similar. I definitely pick up through that way as well. It, it's been nice. Kind of with music, I guess we have the advantage with like services like Spotify where we're algorithmically tailored to us. So there, there is like a ton of stuff that I'll, I'll discover all the time uh, that's just been like basically algorithmically served to me. And also just over the years, so many artists and labels that I, I follow and kind of keep on their radar and watching things like that. It's also kind of have find a lot of stuff like that. I mean, that playlist really is you know it, it has a massive range in it like you go from like jesse brew to like mochat dama it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i i like to like it, it's it's just like it, it really is like what i'm listening to whatever that week and I, I like to keep it diverse and i'm really glad people people like it i guess well i mean when it, those two examples i just mentioned there are they tapping into different sides of you are you looking for different things in both of those songs when they're so different absolutely i mean uh like the, 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 it's funny you mentioned the Mulcha Adamo one. I kind of want to sample that. Um, They're blowing up. I remember yeah. listening to them at the start of lockdown and they had like 600,000 yeah. monthly listeners. And I went on today when I was looking at your playlist and they've got like 2 million. They got, now. Yeah, they got a ton now. Yeah. It, it is definitely two different sides, I guess, though. It's, uh, Do you think the manner in which you use samples as well has changed? Like through, through your songwriting? Perhaps. I haven't used a lot of samples this year that I've like seeked out i guess um just because my my creative process has been very long and like spaced out this year so it's not the same and i think my my production methods have changed a lot too where i'm mostly using hardware like for example i, I picked up an electron octa track kind of when this thing started uh, which is a, a analog sampler thing uh, and I bought it for the purpose of kind of being able to manipulate vocal samples and stuff on the fly uh, in a machine you know, with hardware instead of having to go into Ableton and do all that, my process with that. And I, I think that does tend to make me use them in a kind of a different manner. But I still also like to approach it from kind of the in-the-box type way as well, too. So I don't know. You know, using that so that you can kind of manipulate them on the fly and do it in the moment. Do you find your creativity kind of works best when it's in that kind of spontaneous fashion? Absolutely, yeah. And that's really why I started to pick up a whole bunch of synths and stuff because it just helps me to be able to turn everything on and start building out an idea like that. Has that really impacted in like the way you build your, your kind of studio setup or your you know your creative setup? Is everything kind of geared to engineer around the idea of being able to capture things in the moment and get them as soon as you can? Yeah, absolutely. And I've I'm still not like... 100% where I'd, I'd like things to be. Obviously, it's, it's very financially limited, I guess. You know, music gear is expensive. But uh, that is my aim, to have exactly that perfectly how I want it. The new EP as well, Ego, feels a little bit more fluid, a little bit maybe more easygoing than Bam. It's got, when you think about something like Highball, it's got a slightly different quality to it. Were you in a different headspace when you made that as opposed to Bam? Were, were they coming from different places? It's definitely a different place. It may sound strange. I channeled a lot of anger on on that EP. I feel like, uh, especially tracks like M Type, there are some things going on in my life. It's a little bit frantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's an angry song. Um, there's a lot of things going on in my life. I was just like stressed out and personal relationships with friends, you know, fizzling out stuff like that. And uh, I I think I was just unintentionally maybe capturing that and then intentionally piecing it together after the fact. Um, with that but yeah bomb was like a totally kind of different story from that one i'd say it's interesting what you say about the anger coming from something like relationships fizzling out because that's kind of such a gradual thing which is maybe where the the anger on the ep is kind of more subtle maybe do you think there's a yeah. connection there yeah i think so have you channeled like different types of anger into your work before yeah all the time actually when i think about that i feel like most of my tracks that at least i consider hard hitting are like it's usually some manifestation of, of anger. You know, I'm, I, I've been dealt, in my opinion, a, a fairly shitty uh, stack of cards with 
my my disease and i still carry so much anger of like basically kind of being robbed from having a normal and healthy life and i think that's represented sometimes in my music a lot when when you channel that into your music does it help in any way or does it just is that a different thing altogether i think maybe it helps in the moment it definitely helps i guess overall you know i'm i'm in a better place mentally than where I was when I started off with this stuff. Like, I've come to terms with a lot of things in my life. So I'd, I'd say it helps. And do you think that's a result of the music or just maybe a result of maturing? Probably yeah, both. Or not, not maturing, but getting older and, you know, kind of no, sitting no, on no. it a little longer. It, it's definitely both. And I would say maturing too, because, I mean, I was, I was like, I was 18 or something when this started. What My fully adult brain is kind of just formed now. <laughs> something like that. What is it, 25? You're kind of cerebral cortex stops developing or something yeah so okay i got i got one one more year (laughs) when it comes to ego as well what kind of a role would you say your ego plays in your creativity and your music you know it'd be narcissistic for me to be like i'm the least egotistical person uh ever but um i think my my ego is more represented in like my 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 proudness of like my achievements like I'm really proud to be able to have music that like has been shared with people all across the world and like people sent me these like heartfelt messages about it like that 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 boosts my ego like a ton but I also am such a uh I have such bad imposter syndrome I feel like I, I'm so in between on things like one day I'm feeling great about something next day I'm like this sucks. Why would anyone ever listen to this? And it, still, most of the time, I, I'm still really shocked that I'm here. And I'm like, is this just luck? Do people actually like my music? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting, I guess. Do you think you'll ever be able to overcome that? Or do you think that's something that's going to be a constant? Does it feel like something that could leave? I, I hope I could um, overcome it. But I also feel like it, it kind of humbles me, at least a little bit. So I don't know if I'll ever be able to co- overcome it. I've got... It could just be like a manifestation of anxiety for me too, which I'll never get over that. I don't don't think so. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.